welcome to the Worldwide Podcast. I'm your host, Miles Irving. So we're thinking very much about the uh, need to reconnect with land and the fact that human beings have become kind of alienated, if not exiled, really, from the very land that they stand on and the very land that they live in. Um, so we are looking at how wild foods and um, different ways of being more present in the landscapes can start to sort of weave that fabric of connection back. Or if you put it another way, we're trying to look at how we could find our way back home to the place where we've been all the time but have become estranged from. So that's um kind of tailored introduction, which hopefully uh, neatly introduces our guest this week, who is Tristan Gooley, uh, author of The Natural Navigator and lots of other books, which are just about this kind of subject of being more aware of our surroundings and be able to navigate and um, find our way to somewhere. And hopefully um, this conversation will really inform the topic of, of, of finding our way back home to actually being present on, on land. So Tristan, hello. Hi, Good Mark. to have you with us. Th thanks for having me. So I'm just really fascinated with um, the kind of work that you're continuing to turn out. It just seems like, um, with all your books, there's there's yet another layer to stuff that we can notice, which actually informs us about our surroundings. And, and your latest book is about stars and planets. And um, and that also is a whole other kind of database of, of information, which most of us are oblivious to, apart from the fact that it's pretty when we step outside and the stars are out. Um, so, I mean, does it does it feel like for you, your 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 journey is also unfolding to greater levels of of, of depth and, and interest as you go on. Definitely, and I, um, you know, I've got to I've got to get the cliche out there at the beginning. It, it's been a journey, and uh, you know, it really <laughs> has. And um, but I I didn't have any sort of uh, plan, let let alone a, a grand plan. But when I when I went from it being a an almost all consuming hobby to it being a full time job eleven years ago. I, I, I've been surprised every day up until that point, and then it with with greater intensity surprised every day since that point, at both how my view and understanding and relationship with with landscapes and nature uh, evolves, and I think um, it's um, it, it's yeah, it's it's been it's been really really exciting, and I um, I now have a really fun wrestle every day um where my work is a is there's, there's a sort of tension and a um a a sort of um a sort of dialectic between practical and philosophical where i i'm sort of i'm i'm doing stuff which i think people come into initially thinking how do i find north using a star or how do i find south using a wildflower and mm. then we go from direction to a map by realizing that that every single plant and every single animal is making a map for us and this is this very much journey i've been on and and then from there it becomes wait a minute everything is connected as part of this you know map is just a is is a shorthand for effectively saying that every cloud every bird every star every plant every every breath of wind we feel on our face is is all part of an interconnected um uh relationship 
uh, and understanding. Mm. Uh, we can we can call it a map one minute, uh, and we we can call it a connection. Um, uh, there's no right or wrong in that area, but it, it's for most people, myself included. It we we come into this this subject in a practical thing. You know how how you know the survivalists love it. You know how you know teach me twenty ways I can find water just by by looking at plants. Sure, but that very quickly leads into okay, so water's at one end of it, but I can actually I can understand what the bird behind me is by looking at the plant in front of me. That's that's moving on a whole a whole nother level. I'll tell you what, I've been I've been wanting to talk to you about this because um I've been thinking about the notion that we're um or, or what it is we're we're trying to say when we talk about literate and non-literate cultures. Because I've been trying to explore the idea that 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 what you do and what indigenous cultures do and 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 the sort of knowledge base that we've got, which is quite focused um on plants and so on. Where we can go out and look at uh, a landscape or a little bit of it, you know, the greenery by the side of a path, and know what we're looking at, and that that knowledge has certain implications and and things that it opens up to you, as you're saying, like with with um, finding water and, and navigating, or in our case, we're most focused on what it tells you about what what we can have to eat today. Um, yeah. But these are signs, aren't they? I mean, you you uh, you use the word signs in one of the titles of your book, and 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 what what people mean when they say literate, they're talking about a, a narrow bandwidth of signs which we have when we read and write. But I'm I'm really more and more questioning whether that uh, um, cultural shift where where people took on this kind of signage with alphabets and, and words and books and, and so on um, is actually what it's kind of being portrayed as when pe people talk about this, you know, lit literate is a step forward and the the illiterate cultures are, are therefore backward. You know, actually, in terms of a way of being in the world, I wonder whether this stuff that 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 um, um, we're talking about now isn't a much more sophisticated and useful um, way of being able to read science yes i i think there's um i think you're in a a growing group of people um many of them from backgrounds we might predict uh and doing the sort of work like you and i do you know immersed in this day in day out who who might not shock us to to say but actually surprising i think number of people who are coming from different backgrounds from um what might be might be called a metropolitan or, or whatever who who are starting to question, um, you know, what's it what's it all about? And in the sense of not being not being vague, but actually genuinely starting to question, you know, does does the does the model that we've we've sort of taken as as the only one for a hundred years or so the right one? And I think it's 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 interesting because I sort of feel, um, you know, on a on a on a big on a sort of macro level, I kind of feel that there are these two two sort of big directional so from our side there's there's been a, a movement back towards nature in, in lots of different um guises where um as i say it can start practically it can be you know i i can see a lot of green how do i you know how do i read within that 
uh, mm. how, how I'm going to find a meal in that or how I'm going to find my way. But from that, that, that leads towards the philosophical and and the more i understand about indigenous cultures um you know rest you know i stand on the shoulders of, of anthropologists here you know they you know, but but my understanding is that there isn't there isn't a dividing line there it's it's the the idea that there's a philosophical world separate from that is from the practical the, yes yeah so the, so the the very act of um and I, I see this very clearly in hunting you know in 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 hunting, uh, I'm not a hunter, but I have a huge interest in the philosophy and the practical side of it, because to do it effectively, you have to know your landscape and you have to know your quarry, etc. So, the you know the even even in the Middle Ages um, in Western Europe, there was a lot of kind of nonsense in amongst the sort of the, the the nobility and the way they did it. But actually, underneath all of that, at the more practical level, you find this incredible. Um, they had sort of 82 within the landscape that any every single person who who was considered you know um what what, what we might be calling literate in this conversation had to know mm. um it wasn't it, it was very rarely about the the kill itself it's about the reading all and all that sort of thing so so i sort of yeah i, I find that fascinating that that we we have to have to find a bridge you know to that to fully understand that mindset and it, it might be very practical steps to start with but then um in in these in these more sort of um outdoor competent cultures there there is no division the idea that you're doing something practical one minute and philosophical the next doesn't really doesn't really crop up within their culture because everything is both practical and philosophical yeah and and also the 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 idea i've been kind of working around recently is that with um nature-based cultures all of their kind of language and and their metaphors in other words their internal landscape is is cannot be anything else but a reflection of the external landscape so when when you look at how much we've got today from from the earliest age that's um technological and manufactured and and either not a reflection of wild landscapes or it's something that actually keeps us apart from them you know um that our, our metaphorical and and uh, linguistic worlds are, are shaped by um mechanical things and t technological things and and things which um which are quite sort of other than organic so i think um it's another reason why we want people to and we want ourselves to find any way we can to uh, be absorbed in you know the organic world or in, in sort of land-based world because all of a sudden it enables us to yeah have an internal landscape where we can think about things organically something i'd like to throw out there is um I'm a, unfortunately i'm a, i'm indoors in a in a converted forestry commission cabin but i I don't know if you can hear the hailstorm we're in. So wow. surround, surrounded on all sides by a heavy hail, which is uh, which is quite fun. It's bouncing a, a, about half a foot off the ground in front of me. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, um, yeah. So everything was convinced for a while. It's uh, it's spring and is is all around me having second thoughts. Um, yeah, going back to the idea of the, um, the the machines and the technical side and that sort of thing, um, because I'm I. I, I want to be a, a sort of advocate and <laughs> occasionally probably 
stray too much towards the evangelical in terms of trying to get people into into my love of natural navigation but mm. but, but this world generally and i i i sort of say to people i i worry slightly that if we rail against technology that we we will leave the 90 something percent behind because uh it, it starts to feel like a binary choice between a world that's it's possible to live in in this day and age in inverted commas and 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 opting out entirely and yeah you know, off gridding all that sort of stuff which i which i don't do i have my people who've done it but it, it's um uh, so so my my view is 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 quite often i try and avoid just just personally i try and avoid um using um negative language around technology for the simple reason that um i think if if something is is better in terms of experience or, or or anything else it will displace things that are worse but people might not give it a go if they feel they're going to have to make too big a sacrifice early on does that make sense yeah no it does i can see if, if you're trying to um sort of further the cause as it were of, of people getting out there and getting engaged um yeah you don't want to alienate them by trying to yeah get everybody to give everything up <laughs> yeah and so on there are um benefits particularly early on in terms of terms of you know learning things to the point where the um the 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 reward and i'm i'm thinking philosophical here but i mean in in the case of you know both navigation and and foraging it's it can be it can be um practical as well uh comes to you before you give up so in the case of uh, I sometimes say to people, if, I, if I'm speaking to um, uh, uh, an audience in a, in a city who perhaps haven't necessarily volunteered to be there, um, or if I'm speaking to school children, you know, quite often I speak to people who haven't opted into the idea of natural navigation. I, I, yeah. will, I'll, I will sell them on the idea of like, you know, look out of a window, ask yourself which way you're looking. Uh, and only once you've, you've come up with your own answer, check it on your smartphone. Um, you know, because they are pretty likely to have that. You know, the idea of them having a conventional compass in their back pocket is is a bit a bit fanciful these days. Yeah. But you know, most most sort of thirteen year olds, fourteen year olds will have access to that. You know, uh, a lot so of the time. So they've got a compass so, on their smartphone. You mean they've, exactly? They've so they can look right, out yeah. there. They can look out yeah. there and go, yeah, yeah. "Well, yeah, it's the morning." You know, it's I can sort of see the sun. Well, oh, yeah, I suppose somebody once told me, or I read it in some story, that the sunrise in the east. Oh, this is a stupid subject. Oh God, I'm actually right. <laughs> you know, wow, this 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 might not be impossible. Um, yeah, and and then you know, whereas you know, just because again, and and you will have seen this time and again, it's 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 the practical act um, that can short circuit um, cynicism, can't it? If if people in you know, there's a large part of them that sort of feels that this is for other people, this isn't for me, and yeah. whatever anybody says or writes can fail. Um, however however hard we try to do our job well we can yeah. fail to 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 win that argument in um in, in the abstract in, kind of thing yes absolutely but the second i you know yeah. i i say to you know my my kids are a good example i've got two boys 15 and 12 uh if i say to them let's go for a walk whoa that's a that's an argument lost um but if i you know if i say i'm going to give you a challenge that you know um you know most of the people you see on on you know survival programs on tv would fail at um uh come on let's go and do it you're going to cross you know two miles of woodland just using the trees as your map and compass you know yeah um that's you know by the end of that 
they 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 won't they won't be generous enough to generous enough to say that they're <laughs> they're won over but their relationship yeah. with the whole thing is different to anything i could have achieved by talking for a couple of hours no that's really interesting because what what you're saying is that the, the top priority is to get people to just set their foot on the road so there is some actual engagement and and then then that will do the that will do the um the persuasive bit i mean somebody somebody i was talking to last week um was just talking saying exactly the same thing that if you get people out there and just put them in contact it's it's just not possible for that not to work out you know because we we the land is still there and as as alive as it ever was and as wild and and glorious as it ever was but we are still these organic beings that have always lived in connection with land just just we've been sort of held apart and put behind this barrier but as soon as you manage to get people to walk back out and touch it the the the, the response that's absolutely innate in us just you you can't really prevent it um, yes people As people it, do reconnect definitely and i i have this theory which is um probably not original um but uh i i, I wrote a short book uh, once called how to connect with nature and and mm. the there are quite a few practical examples in that, but the the, the premise behind it uh, is 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 comes from my personal experience, which is that, um, as you say, this is this is where where we all come from. And again, I think I think we understand that in theoretical terms quite easily, but in practical terms, so what what I'm the the the, the argument I'm trying to trying to make there is that by character we we must all be inclined towards one of the fundamental areas of skill and interest and by fundamental i mean what would make sense in a conversation with somebody 10,000 years ago mm. you know so if you know 10,000 years ago there were you know skills we can still relate to now um it's so shelter was still you know shelter was very much essential and shelter is still now as as i look around at <laughs> this hail the storm that's moved off you know i'm 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 enjoying a little bit of heat and a, and a lot of dryness um but you know today somebody for example who's who's not been exposed to nature but it has an absolute fascination in interior design or perhaps property or something like that you know they are the shelter makers of today and if if they realize uh, yeah and and foraging and natural navigation and um uh, and um you, you, even a sensitivity to things like time and stuff like that you know the, some people in each culture are going to be more sensitive to you know the, the minute minute shifts of 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 season um uh, so so these are all all roots in and i i genuinely believe that it's once you find your you know, tribe for a better word once you find your thing that's your routine. And once you're in, you start to realize everything else is connected. So, you know, I don't profess to be um, a, 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 an expert in the other fields, but I can kind of see both the passion and the joy that comes from that, but also how all the pieces fit together. So they're not, they're not sort of, it, it is all one jigsaw at the end. I just love that because I'm just, I'm just sort of coining a phrase like, a, 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 like your, what is your Paleolithic skills type? Yes, I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I wish I thought of that when I was writing. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing because like we're, we're that's who we are. You know, this this newfangled business that we have now with with um. Sorry, I'm going to rail against technology again now. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> but all these devices that mean we don't have to be uh, able to to uh, derive our needs from 
our surroundings in in whatever way um but we're biologically and and psychologically um i'm not sure if there's another logically i could think of there you know we're i mean look here's the thing there's there's um a, a kind of thinking around knowledge which i'm i'm sure you've touched on but the, the whole field of epistemology which is like how do we know right um yeah. uh so there we go epistemological there's, there's my other one uh, <laughs> um but people have kind of divided this up and i think it, i think it's really neat between stuff you know about and stuff that you know because you're practically engaged with it and you know for people in that paleolithic era and um people who are much more land-based now you know you don't know about these things this stuff that you know with with moving through land you don't know about it you you know it because you've done it over and over and over again and 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 it becomes part of you and i've seen this one definition uh in a, in a particular part of uh, epistemology called biological epistemology and what they say there is that knowledge is the ability to extract resources from your environment so in that sense a single-celled amoeba is a very knowledgeable chap you know because he actually is able to get everything he needs from a puddle right um, this tiny little organism in a puddle he get he knows how to get the all of the stuff um these guys had that kind of knowledge and, that, and sorry that's programmed into us that's that's the thing that's programmed into us that we 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 have this innate capacity to relate in ways that bring everything we need to us from from just raw natural environment like you say we know how to build a shelter we know how to find our way we know and i love that that it's, that it's our biology you know it's our neurons our skin our sensitivity to what the air feels like all of that's really just raw naked biological stuff um we haven't changed a bit that's that's what i was trying to get to we haven't changed you know the technology's insulated us so that we're not aware of who we are anymore or where we are but like yes. everything that, that that we're trying to do with with passing on the, the little bit that we've got in terms of getting back there is uh is just stripping off those layers you know um yes and i, I think um something that i I find quite a powerful and perhaps counterintuitive idea is that um, we've all had the concept of evolution sort of drummed into us. And I think it's, mm. it, it's, it's a concept that, that most people are sort of comfortable with, but don't invest a huge amount of sort of active thought in. And yet I think it has a slightly um, insidious cultural byproduct, which is, um, I think a lot of people have come to, and I, I'm sure I've been guilty of this at times, of, of confusing evolution with um, sort of contemporary adaptation, by which I mean, I believe a lot of people think that we are fundamentally a different species to how we right. were 10 or, 10 or 20,000 years ago. But, you know, as you were saying, and as is biological fact, not, not theory, fact, we are, you know, you know genetically... Um, you know, pretty much identical to to someone who who was who was around ten thousand years ago, and so um, you know the the speed of change, uh, and yet biologically, as you say, we haven't changed at all. You know, but the, so even even you know the look of a high street has changed in so much in the space of sort of twenty years. Never mind all the internet yeah. and everything else that we're using, and yet our minds and our bodies haven't at all. So uh, a, a sort of feeling of um uh of shock is is pretty much inevitable and i i 
I wouldn't be at all surprised if in 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 years to come people look back at this era and go, now, how did they even you know how did they even work out how to get through a day? It must have been you know extraordinary to go you mean, through. And you mean because there's such disruption that this thing is so disruptive? Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I um, I mean, uh, uh, I I started a, a student magazine when I was at university. It was appalling, but I, it was you know uh, I wasn't a very good student, so I had to find a way to fill the time I wasn't using productively in other <laughs> ways. But that that's irrelevant. But the the thing that's interesting is I left university in 1996, uh, and I nobody had suggested that we do anything online at that point. Right. So oh, that's that's what's that 23 yeah. years ago now yeah um uh yeah i mean a lot lots more uh interesting colorful examples of the speed of the internet but that's my personal anecdote of kind yeah. of like you know i can remember we had an american american friend at university who um had email and we used to we used to tease her mercilessly about this newfangled nonsense that she was doing on a computer yeah <laughs> we've had to we've had to you know, process all of that culturally in in that time um uh, whereas mo historically, uh, um, you know, if we're talking about sort of ages, you know, bronze and iron and stuff like that, cultures, they probably found it pretty traumatic. And they were culturally speaking, getting hundreds, if not thousands of years to adapt to things. Wow. So um, yeah. we're, uh, we're, we're, we're shocked, aren't we? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I feel like I want to dig down into um, the underlying cause of my desire to round against technology. I feel like what technology does is to decontextualize everything. I mean, if you think about it, it starts with a decontextualization. So it starts with an abstraction. We 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 think about a principle that always works everywhere, and then we we uh, embody that principle. Um, the technique is is an abstraction, and then we put that technique into a, a machine or a structure. But it enables people to get the same result, whatever context they're in. Um, and I think if you take that simple, simple idea and then look at every other kind of more advanced technology beyond the most sort of simple devices, it's what it's doing. It's, it's meaning that people can um, circumvent the need to connect with the local conditions in order to get whatever it is they happen to want. I mean, money's an example. You can just get what you want. Money is a kind of technology that enables you to to get stuff without needing to, you know, dig the soil or get to know your neighbour as you would have done in the past. Um, you 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 just suddenly have access to all this other stuff, which which itself is all produced by technology. Yeah. But what you're talking about with this high high um, rate of change is it's it's just going berserk because. You know, there isn't even a, a, a stable context to be decontextualized anymore. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I, I got a, an email um, from one of my boys' schools, uh, which was effectively trying to debunk a myth about an online scare story, about an app, about a something, about an Instagram that was causing people. You may have heard of this story. I don't know. Uh, I, I couldn't even keep up. But apparently there was something very scary on Instagram or something else that was making kids do some. But the email was to inform us that there wasn't as much truth in the rumors about the thing, but it, there was a danger. It could be, you know, and I, I genuinely, there was so much, so much cross sort of technological reference going on. I couldn't work out what on earth was going on, but, but I find it very interesting what you're saying about the decontextualization and you're, um, you're a Canterbury way, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. You're a bit nearer to uh, Lewis than, than me. And I don't know if they still have their own currency there. I think that was a, 
oh, an, wow. active, an active yeah. rebellion that way, sort of saying, look, we're going yeah, to protect our, our local shops by uh, issuing our own currency. And that's, uh, I think it's a, it's a nice, you know, it's a, it's a proactive uh, thing to yeah. do. And they, do you know, um, uh, Totnes in Devon? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they sort had of Totnes sim- pounds, didn't they? That I think they did, and they they have a very strong culture of of, of resisting. Um, for them, it's chains, chain stores are, are representing this homogenization, which I think yeah. is close, closely relates to what you're talking about. And they, um, I can't remember whether it was Costa, but it was one of the, the co- one of the coffee chains. I think uh, thought that they would just casually open another another store, and uh, and the residents of Totnes said, uh, "Not around here, you don't." <laughs> um, yeah, so fantastic. That, yeah. I think these these are the beacons of um, beacons of resistance. Um, uh, I I can remember reading uh, Bill Bryson's book Notes from a Small Island. I don't know if mm. you've ever read that, and, oh. and and I think part of the okay. success of that book was the it was a an out an outsider's view with inside a perspective all wrapped up together, and and it played on a lot of. Um, you know, insular sort of hopes and fears and stuff in a very clever, funny way. But one of the things I really remember from it, it was literally the first time anybody had told me that all our high streets look the same. Mm. Um, I mean, that's getting a bit away from technology, but it's it's the same sort of idea that we're just kind of accepting this homogenization, which um, well, would would be a great shame. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's decontextualization. You're quite right. Everything. Every, everything. Um, um, the, it reminds me of that cure that line from the cure song in the 80s every, everyone's happy they're finally all the same everyone's <laughs> jumping everybody else's train <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah there's no no points of difference but but like i think another another thing of resistance is teach somebody to forage teach somebody to to navigate because the, the, what can you do but be in context we can't say let's go out and find some plants that aren't there. <laughs> we can, we can only, we can only go out and find the stuff that is there, and and um, and that immediately creates a relationship. And yes. I mean, look, I I I think the issue is this 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 basic dis disconnection is is the problem. I feel like you know we've we've um we've cut our jugular vein, you know, and we're bleeding um with that, you know, we. Um, so I wanted to, you, you mentioned the, your, your book about connecting with land. I, I was looking at what, what's, what's written, um, in the in introduction to that book, um, online. And there's a, there's a phrase, I'm not sure if it's yours or somebody wrote, wrote it. It says a deep knowledge of our natural environment is no longer a vital part of everyday survival. Well, what I wanted to raise is the possibility that that's not a true statement. <laughs> um, yes. Because um, if 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 us as a species being cut off from our um, environment is at the root of all of our all of our trouble, you know, we have we have um, societal breakdown, we have an epidemic of mental health issues, we have people who are basically sick because they eat crap that that's that's not connected with land, and global warming is because we drive around in metal boxes that give us what we want um and that fits that decontextualizing thing you know we can just go where we want without um you know we don't have to touch the ground and walk or look at the scenery we can just move around in planes and and cars and 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 do it every time because the machine works every time but we're cut off from that feedback mechanism which is 
everything in life before um, it all got decontextualized, well, you had to see what was the consequence of, of, of what you did because the land immediately fed back to you. You know, this is what happens when you do that. Whereas we've had um, however many years, like since the Industrial Revolution, we've started releasing more carbon into the air. And it's only right, I feel like, this February, we've suddenly reached the point where we it's beginning to not be possible to say there's no there's no consequence to this. It's interesting that that quote. I, I think they are that that does sound like my words from that introduction, and I I think it's very interesting because I think we are uh, not necessarily um, disagreeing, but it, it's it's the art. Oh, no, I know what you're, art. you're saying. I know what you're saying yeah. with it. It's just like yeah, you can of course get through the day without connecting with nature, but I'm yes. trying to say we, I'm not sure we can get through the century. And and yeah, absolutely, yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 that's what I mean by arc. You know, in one case it's a day, and another it's a century. But but they they can, you can. That's one of those examples where you can you can say diametrically opposite things, and then both be true if the time yeah. span is is different in each case. But yeah, I th I think um, that 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 point itself is is sort of reminds me of similarly to my sort of what I was saying about technology and not wanting to make a, an enemy out of that. Um, uh, part of my work, particularly in the early days, I mean, I, um, you know, I, I think I've, you know, managed to get my philosophy across in, in, in one or two sort of quarters. So I'm not fighting this quite as much as I used to be, but particularly in the navigation world, uh, when I started doing what I'm doing professionally and, and writing, you know, uh, a book and well, writing the natural navigator, the, a lot of the feedback that came from the, the navigation world, and they were being supportive um, uh, and trying to be very positive, was like, yes, you know, it's great that you're, you know, trying to trying to keep these skills alive because what if the GPS breaks and what if that happens? Oh, I see. I, yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 I was actually sort of, whilst I was grateful for the, the positive feedback, I was actually more worried by that sentiment because my whole point you know, right from the beginning was that this is not all about practicality. This is about experience and understanding. So, mm. you know, I mean, I, I know somebody, uh, I got taught how to use a sextant by uh, an old um, uh, ship's captain who'd been around the world many dozen times on ships. And after he'd, he'd sort of taught me this formal course in astro-navigation, we were just, as part of the oral exam preparation, we were having a chat and and I just said to him, I said, um, so you you take a sextant with you? He said, no, 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 I don't take it anymore. I take a, if I even even if I'm on a small boat, I'll take half a dozen GPSs. I'll wrap one in foil and stick it in the oven in case there's a lightning strike. But 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 generally, you know, I he said I still use sextants, but it's all about the fun, and that was you know that was real music to my ears because that's right. that's now that's now how I I sort of see the future of keeping a lot of these skills alive. You know, you would. Um, I mean, there are different aspects to to your your foraging, personal, professional, and everything else. And same with same with 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 what I do. But actually, um, you know, the the experience and understanding can be relevant to everybody. The practicality mm. is is, you know, there are you know the, the dangers of us, you know, getting you know losing our lives, you know, through starvation or getting lost. In, in our society without knowing foraging or natural navigation skills is not going to win the is not going to win the argument and the you know um i i feel whereas yeah, say, yeah, yeah. saying saying to people you've got one life and if you don't invest a little bit of time in these areas it's going to be 
a poor experience compared to if you do. That's my only argument. You don't need it in the sense of, you know, you know, you need it to to, to survive physically through the day, but but philosophically and 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 culturally, um, you'll you'll add a dimension to your your experience outdoors if you if you get amongst it and have a bit of fun to start with. That that's that's where I was going um, with that as well. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the thing the thing um, with making a comparison between um, mechanisms and organisms, which is what what I'm kind of exploring here, is um, you just the the extraordinary complexity of of organisms and so when we connect with them you know we tap into the complexity that that we have which basically makes us feel more alive right and 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 um you know i have a feeling when there is a necessity there's there's something that happens there that's quite earthy and grounded but 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 nevertheless people that don't have that necessity who are following your lead and 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 um maybe going on a foraging course or something like that they're still experiencing that that sense of aliveness that they've suddenly got involved in you know that there's well in my world you know there's 70 salad leaves out there instead of just lettuce and tomatoes and whatever um and on the other hand mechanisms the the outcome is generally quite sort of bland and and banal but it's, it's definitely true that um, there's uh, like a complexity that comes with some of these technological things whereby, um, you know, we can talk to each other on the Internet and the information is being exchanged. And, and just as soon as someone's discovering something new about diet or nutrition, which is the kind of things that, that I'm following, um, <clears throat> Everybody knows about it within a within a few months. Suddenly, we all know about our gut flora. You know, two years ago, who knew? You know, and that. So I'm really interested in that. That there's there's a there's a there's a positive aspect. So I suppose where I'm um, looking at it is, I just think we 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 can look at uh, being more informed, having more informed choices. You know, like if I let this extra bit of technology in my life, what's the costs and benefits? You know, how am I going to be more alive? How am I going to be more connected? How am I going to be sort of crackling with more complexity and and um, and wonder? Or how is that actually going to be shutting things down where I'm just more dull? And yeah. yes, yes, and I, I I think I think that is interesting, and I think a lot of what uh, motivates not so much what I write, uh, but but how I write is is um, and how I sort of teach and try and communicate generally is is you know comes from the fact that it i wasn't i wasn't one of those kids who from the age of sort of six and i do meet them and i'm i marvel at them who who just kind of had that relationship with nature sometimes it's come from parents sometimes it hasn't mm. um you know but but i was i was i was you know even in my early 20s i wasn't you know nature was not something i would have put in the top three of my interests in the world so <laughs> I, I i yeah it's amazing but i i was spending a huge amount of time outdoors but i just wouldn't have used the word nature um mm. so so i was you know there are a lot of people who are fascinated by nature probably spending a lot less time immersed in it but but i so so what i mean is that i a lot of the way i approach this is is from instead of you know, trying to be, um, you know, being passionate about a subject, having found my way to to, to where I am and the, the, the joys uh, that I can find within and, and jumping up and down and saying to people, 
you really must come and jump up and down with me at this sense of joy <laughs> because the, the 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 stepping stones have to be there and for me the stepping stones were very much you know things that work in terms of natural understanding and again it comes it comes back to the different types of people you know so some people particularly you know um youngsters find fire really interesting and if you if you show them things that you know will help you light a fire in the wild then that that you know get gets things gets things going uh for other people it's something else but i don't think um the idea that you know i i think you could stand opposite someone and say you know you really ought to be immersed in nature it's 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 essential for lots of reasons um i just i genuinely don't think it 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 you know, um, psychologists would come up with a language for no. why I can't do that, but I don't. I don't think it works. Whereas, because we are, you know, we have evolved to, um, you know, try and survive and thrive. Um, if if we give people the 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 tools to to do that in a self sufficient way, in some way that that appeals to them, without actually mentioning, you know, the goal of being immersed and understanding and all that sort of thing, then it, it actually for a lot of people, not necessarily everyone, but for a lot of people. It, it, it wins but we're i'm coming back to that point of getting people to do stuff so um yeah no i think it's again. a great point though i mean i in in um i i see it on, on all on all areas being you know really really honest it, it tiptoes into things like the marketing for my books so the publisher will sort of say to me stuff like we know your books brilliant we've all read it blah, 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 blah. how do we convince someone and stuff like that and it nearly always boils down to a line like well, we could put there are 19 different ways you can find your way using a tree. You know? yeah. And that that is a hook. You know, obviously yeah. that's, that's what they're calling it. And you've, you, you've written a, a great book. So you, you know what I mean is that, that you know, that the, the hook into um, yeah. into anything can be the same in nature. It can be, you know, instead of sort of saying, you know, go and spend uh, five days outdoors nonstop because then you will feel immersed and it will and be amazing. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you just sort of you you say to somebody. I mean, I, I can remember um, when we uh, we haven't mentioned that that we've we've uh, we've met and gone for a walk together, but uh, that was uh, it's a little over five years ago now. I yeah, think, isn't it? Um, yeah. You know, and there are certain things that that kind of cut through. And I I remember your your genuine sort of joy at spotting, if I remember correctly, was it a three cornered leak in that in that Arundel yeah. car park? Yeah, yeah. Um, I can remember that. You know, and that you know that that bridge something. It was kind of like, you know, it wasn't. I don't remember, although you know, you may have done it, saying you saying that you know foraging's amazing or anything like that. But I do remember you going, that's a three-cornered leak and it's edible and I'm very surprised to find it here, but that's great. You know, that, you know, and, oh, look, I'll look out for that next time. I think, and I, I do think foraging definitely does instantly hit that spot for most people. Just, 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 just 10 minutes finding stuff. You just feel like a bunch of kids. You do, you do just, just, and, and it doesn't change. Like we've, we've just gone somewhere um, to pick some wild garlic today. And, um, it's kind of a, a father-in-law of a guy that teaches my no one of the dads from a football club that I take my kid to. He goes, "Oh, my father-in-law's got garlic. Well, all our spots aren't up yet." I said, "Would your father-in-law let us come and have a look? Because apparently his stuff is up." And for some reason, this little area—I think it's because it's very damp—but it's like it seems like it's like four weeks ahead of everywhere else in Kent. It's got full, fully grown garlic, so down we go. But there was um, these scarlet elf cups there. And, uh, well, we don't really have scarlet elf cups in Kent, at least not, not that I've found them. I've found them in one place ever. 
And so here's our second second spot. And you just can't help being smitten with with delight, really, at, at these kind of things. Um, Would it have been three-cornered garlic that we saw or three-cornered It was. Milk? Oh, it's the same thing. It's just do, yeah. do people call the same thing. Yeah. Those two different things, yeah, yeah. It doesn't doesn't have a huge navigational sort of sign value, so it's uh, it sort of hovers in the background, and I, I don't know don't know it well, but uh, for me, but I, I I need to get it get to know it, get to know it better. But that's well, true. I remember you 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 scrutinising it and saying, well, is is this a reflection at yeah, and of of the particular kind of place? And I think we concluded that it liked a little bit of shade because there was yeah. some trees that was here, but it wasn't there, and so that was an interesting. Um, yes, exploration. Yeah. yeah, possibly a um, bit of nutrient enrichment in that part of the world as well. Um, bit of nitrogen, yeah. maybe. But um, but uh, yes, no, it's it's not a, it's not one of the um, the 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 usual 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 suspects that way. I mean, I actually think um, I sort of look to the Renaissance in foraging interest as the, the as the kind of beacon for where I'd love natural navigation to get yeah. to because. It's I, I often use food as the as, as the, the best kind of roadmap um, in the sense of, of, of how we nearly totally lost something and then didn't um, mm. quite. I mean, there's still the, the fight back going on. But if um, again, looking at this this rate of change thing, I mean, you you'd know all of this stuff better than me. But I often I, I say to people, you know, we as a civilization, we spent thousands of years trying almost non-stop to keep starvation at bay and then in the space of a few decades created an obesity problem um and mm. uh, you know the idea that you can get a, a hamburger for 59p and all this 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 sort of stuff and it, it was a it was a case of um you know if if it was it was throwing away all all the good stuff all the cultural associations everything else and and now um you know whether it's whether it's sort of wild food or or cooking in a more sophisticated sense it's that that sense of culture is back which is wonderful which is what i'd love to see with navigation because again i mean i've been asked um you know great gratefully not by you because you understand where i'm coming from but i get a lot asked a lot you know is what i do necessary and, and that's well that's where we that's where we were you know with with um you know, foraging sort of 40 years ago or something, I imagine, you know, people sort of going, yeah, but why, why would you do that when you can go and get a burger at 59p? And it's like, well, ah, <laughs> and for me, people say, why, why, you know, why is it important to be able to find your way using the moon when, when, you know, a smartphone does it, it's an, it's an, culturally an identical well, sort of, you know, um, thing. Well, of, of course the, 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 um, the sort of, uh, voice crying in the wilderness before you then was was um was that who who was who the guy who wrote the book uh how to find your way without a map or a compass yes Harold anyway. Getty. yeah yeah fantastic um um navigator and and yeah yeah he yeah his book was um i think it's um a little over 50 years old now and i but, I, I i read it um without without breaking pretty much and but but isn't it funny because like you'd never write a book called that now would you like who has a map or a compass <laughs> exactly <laughs> yes yeah that's so weird i'd never even thought that but it's such a, it's such a good point <laughs> what do you mean without a map or a compass i'm <laughs> yes. oh, oh you mean oh you mean by gps oh I, yeah 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 uh, 
And when our when our smart smartphone, when the, it's no longer a portable device, but it's been um, you know, all the technology has been surgically implanted to our head, which is permanently linked up to the web and and with a heads up display in our retina people will be going like what do you mean you need a smartphone to find your way oh, dear Lord. yeah well i mean that's yeah so that that's sorry i can't get away from it technological rant phase nine because uh, <laughs> that that is is um basically we're turning into cyborgs right and when <laughs> yes. we already are yes. we're already half a machine with with most of what we do because the interface between us and other people i mean even right now we're cyborgs because you're not in the room yeah. I, i'm using this thing to to talk to you um so we, we've got to make sure that the the uh the resulting complexity and goodness is outweighs the the, yes. <laughs> the sabotage to the normal way of relating which is that we look at eyes and we hear sound waves on air that passes across the room and 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 so on but like, you've, I mean, you've reminded, yeah, you've reminded me of something uh, which, which I only remember very occasionally, which is that when I was nineteen, I, I did a, uh, I did a bit of travel with a friend, and we, um, we were um, on the coast in um, Southeast Asia, and uh, um, I was reading, I think it was, um, yeah, it was Bill Gates's autobiography. I'm guessing his first. He's probably had a few, um, and he wrote in that, if I remember correctly that he could envisage a time, so I guess this would be early, early 90s, I think, um, he could envisage a time where people would still go to the cinema, but then they would drive away from the cinema to their separate homes and discuss the film they'd seen using mobile phones or cell phones or whatever he was calling them. Mm. And I can remember putting the book down and saying to my mate, Sam, saying, well, the guy clearly knew what he's doing because Microsoft, you know, he's 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 cleaned up there. He's done pretty well, but he's lost his marbles here. That is never going to. I remember saying that is never going to happen. I remember yeah. just thinking that right. that that whole concept is just a non-starter. And uh, um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's creeping up. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And and your your um your I mean your world has changed since you started writing about this stuff because everybody didn't have a uh a, a sat nav and a and a well and a smartphone yes to yeah, do all of this stuff back then absolutely and i'd um you know i challenge anyone who's who's out there you know it doesn't matter if it's a sunday afternoon stroll or or a walk in the park or or you know out in the hills somewhere um exactly as you say um when I when I was started doing this full time and the amount of time I was able to dedicate to being outdoors, you know, you know, I could I could that went up a lot. I, I noticed it was actually rare to see anyone looking at a screen of any sort. That was that was 11 years ago. Uh, now, as I say, I challenge anyone, you know, watch a group of people outdoors and see if you can get through five minutes without somebody glancing at a screen of some sort. Um, so it's yeah, as you say, it's it's uh it's it's rapid and and in this area um, it's yeah it's horrible and i i had a good friend of mine we we managed to get lost in the woods the other week um <laughs> and i was disgusted he got his smartphone out his free i said i'm not looking at it i managed to get us back to the car park without that phone with it with, with without i'm afraid i'm not a very good student i haven't really learned your stuff um <laughs> so i was just going on i don't know intuition and recollection and actually do you know the funny thing is for me because my points, my signs in in the landscape are always to do with plants and food. 
usually when I find my way back, it's because I come past somewhere we've already been where I stopped to fiddle around and pick something. <laughs> yes, yes. That's that's. Yeah. But you 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 say it's intuition and stuff, and actually that's the premise behind behind my last book is that the difference between sort of um, slow mechanical learning and just having a, a, a what some people might call a sixth sense, but really it's yeah. just sort of deep understanding and intuition about what's yeah. going on around you. It's stuff you and know you, that you don't know you know, basically. Absolutely, and it, it, it sort of comes back to that 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 example of the um the the three cornered leek or garlic, you know, and and you're seeing it in terms of you know edibility slash poison, I guess, and 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 I'm seeing it in terms of light, shade, you know, soil, nutrients mm. and stuff, and, and both of us walking through the same woods would have overlapping and similar but quite different sort of filters. So because where some light comes in, you know, we might you know, the lower plants might suddenly do a lot better, which becomes more interesting to you, which is giving me a sense of direction. But both of those things are giving us a map of some sort. Mm. Um, so for me, I, I'm i no- noticing how the the, the lichens, um, the ivy, um, the, the, the wild cherry trees, all these sorts of things decrease as we head into the woods and increase mm. as we as we start heading out. And you'll you'll be noticing very sort of similar things, particularly where you get that patch. You know, if you walk through, you know, a patch of woodland like a, um some some dense sort of beach woodland in summer you know it's 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 almost a desert underneath it isn't it probably probably as much in foraging as as navigation terms and then you just get that break in the canopy and suddenly there's all this life there and it's it's a it's an eruption of sort of signs and and potential um which which is quite hard to ignore when you've got either either of our lenses on i imagine yeah i'll tell you what i'm just thinking we should do another podcast but let's go for a walk and do a podcast should we do that yeah yeah that's a great idea yeah that'd be fun but but on this on this kind of stuff you know that you don't know you know thing i I just want to mention again and a a story i told you before um because i've done a lot of thing about it since so this the story is that um on my birthday we went out in the car my wife blindfolded me because we were going somewhere for a meal and she drove around and drove around and drove around. And any attempt I'd had to try and keep track, I'd, I'd given up completely. I thought, I've no idea where we are. Car pulls up. We get out of the car. She helps me get out and is kind of leading me along so I don't fall over. I took five steps and I said, we're back home. I recognized the how the, the uh, paving stones and the, the slight slope and then the fact that it levels out when it gets to a concrete path next to our house. I recognized it. And I was completely flabbergasted by that. I thought, how, you know, my, my body knows what this little bit of path feels like. Well, that's... There, was no, there was no other signs at all, but what my feet could feel. Well, yeah. there the, the may have been, and they may have been oh. not, not registering in your conscience, that conscious state. You know the 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 sounds of where you are, um, okay. the, um, the the smells even. But I mean, your listeners are going to want to know what was the end of that goose chase. Ah, well, Ali had uh, had um, asked a friend of ours who's a chef to cook a meal in our house with with our wild stuff. She thought that would be a better birthday gift. Oh. So so we, we 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 went back to the house and um, and ate a meal in our own house. Yeah. <laughs> um yes no i mean that uh i I do a um uh it's not a birthday gift but on the the courses and walks i lead um uh i i do this this little sort of um 
a little stunt almost, which is uh, I get I get people to, to turn on to close their eyes and turn on the spot until they're disorientated and you know change direction, turning around until. Okay. Um, and and some, something I've learned to do is that I move around them because if you stay where you are and you're having to talk to people to kind of reassure them they're not doing something too weird, but if you're talking, they've got your voice as a as a constant reference. So right. I move I move around them ah. as, as I'm talking to them, and I, yeah. I say you can't you can't use my voice. You can use anything else you want, but keep your eyes firmly closed. Now with your eyes, you know, are you properly disorientated? Yes. Now with your eyes firmly closed, point north for me. Uh, and most people are able to do it quite effortlessly, whereas, you know, an hour before that would have wow. been a really, really weird concept for them. But actually, it's it's I, I find it a really useful kind of breakthrough exercise because, um, you know, when you're teaching people, you're going up through levels of, of complexity. That's the whole point of it. But but some people just sort of get to that point, you know, quite often when they don't like being taught for, for whatever reason and or maybe didn't have a great experience with education or whatever, you know, there's that resistance and that voice in their head like, oh, this is for other people, I can't do it. But you just then just cut through all of that and go, you know, just point north with their eyes shut. And it's it's and, and people use all sorts of different cues. Quite often, you know, the, the thing that reminded me was you talking about the gradient. Mm. So So we will have spent a bit of time sort of going, okay, well, you know the seas down there that's south or you know you can feel the right you know, you know yeah um, and then our brain has has evolved to kind of put these pieces together for us because none of this kit was around you know even 2000 years ago there was there was literally nothing in terms of um you know what we'd recognize as, as technology to help with that yeah so i did some stuff following on from that um because i um at, at the time i was in a habit of doing a lot of night walking uh in in some woods near me um and i thought i'll try and repeat that and walk along a, a an area of path and try and get familiar with it but i screwed it all up it was it was all like i was counting paces i was doing all of this kind of stuff yeah um, it, it didn't work at all i just kept bumping into trees that's <laughs> like this is but but the thing is this is a path that i've walked up and down just literally hundreds of times so I don't yes. know why I went that route of counting steps because the, the point is I'm much more I'm much more um, exploring kind of body wisdom now, which yes. I just thought that was a, an odd phrase a couple of years back. But, you know, I've got quite into yoga and I'm starting to think more about how the body responds to food Been reading some stuff about grazing animals with one of our previous podcast guests, a guy called Fred Provenson. He talks about how animals know what to eat and 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 again he doesn't call it sixth sense at all he tries to track physiologically and and chemically how the body communicates back about things but but just basically that your body knows a whole bunch of stuff um which which that wouldn't have been a train of thought i was having five years ago but um anyway i have this thought that my body definitely knows how to walk down that path without straying an inch and definitely not bumping into trees but I haven't quite, um, um, yeah, managed to put that one into practice. Are you, you, you're walking with shoes on, presumably. I am. You think it'd be yeah, better? I mean, well, it, it it depends how sort of um, friendly the the ground is. But I, um, it's not too spiky. There's no like chestnuts or. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of one of my favourite sort of dark techniques of short distances. It um particularly you know ground that you you have familiarity with is 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 becoming sensitive to those very very subtle sometimes sometimes dramatic but 
often very subtle changes between path and non-path feel and sound and everything else but you you, mm. you may well have been doing that anyway i mean i have you know for me to walk home from this from this um forestry cone that i'm i'm in in you know in the middle of the day it might only take um you know a minute but i quite often do it in in pitch conditions without without any light at all and i'm having to do it entirely by the feel of the ground right um, and and that that sometimes takes 10 minutes so it may have been which is which is quite sort of um you know quite sort of usual is is you know it's a rushing of the process you know because if you if you basically take you know which can feel like a huge amount of time if you if you take two or three minutes just walking with your eyes closed from the left side of the path onto the left edge of the path into the path to the right edge of the path to the right of the path and do that for a couple of minutes just through your feet with your eyes closed it, it um you may be unlucky but the majority of paths there is some some um you know feelable difference between those those kind of um five zones yeah yeah but you don't think there's a way to just tap into the fact that my body jolly well knows what it feels like without that kind of i, I suppose i'm really interested in in what happened when when i had that experience outside the house that i just knew something i, I just yes. like the idea that if i could if i could just trust it I could walk from one end of that wood to the other because I've done it so many times. Yeah. But. Yeah. I, I'm it, it's, if you're doing, it depends how, how you're doing it. If you're doing it as a type of uh, what's sometimes termed landmark navigation, which it sounds to me from the way you're talking, it is, which is, well, I kind of know I go down a bit and then it, well, as soon as it gets steep, I know I need to turn left or right or mm. whatever, you know, um, uh, which, which we all do quite a lot of that works really 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 well until you miss a beat you know until you miss a landmark or something like that okay. at which point the entire thing know where you are yeah your entire right. thing falls apart because your reference system it, it's it you know the piece of string has to run from the start to the finish for that to work terribly well or mm. you you have to be very clever and work out which bit you've missed um and i've had that again over tiny distances you know you, you suddenly like okay i really you know, there are trees in all directions here. There are not meant to be trees in all directions. So you have to think, okay, have I have I done the bit before or the bit afterwards, stuff like that. The other way of approaching it, which is if you're looking for a really natural feel, is is um, in navigation terms called hand railing. So you don't go for precision at all. You just, you know, you have to find one or two lines that are going to help you. It, it can be a very, very distinct path that you you can't fail to notice stepping onto. It can be a road. It can be a, a stream. It can be the edge of woodlands. It can be the edge of a field. It can be just something that there's no way that you can you can mistake. Mm. And this is this is a really fast, fun way into the subject is is you, you basically depart from a point on that line and then you just hold on to one or two things that are going to give you a guide back to it. In, in daytime it might be the direction of the sun it could be where the breeze is coming from it can be where the clouds are moving anything like that and then you abandon precision altogether so you just walk into the woods and you just go well you know i've got the sun on my back and um you know i'm just gonna sort of you know keep that roughly the case oh actually i, I want to turn right a bit now so i'm gonna head off here so the sun's sun's on my right a little bit now okay right now we've we've you know perhaps mucked about for 20 minutes or whatever and and in theory you don't know where you are at all but if you walk with the sun on sun in your face uh until you hit that 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 line that handrail uh and then turn right again you'll get back to exactly where you are but the interesting thing is almost all the way along that route you couldn't have told anyone exactly where you are necessarily mm. so it's a different different approach to the same problem. yeah 
Oh, I just love this, and I wanted to, I wanted to just it, it was just making me reflect to to the to the uh, the other um, aspect that you were talking about earlier. The the you know the, the, you said there's a practical and the and the philosophical because um, I said at the beginning of the podcast about um, your stuff being kind of a metaphor for navigating our way home, you know, to being more in place in the land and so on. And uh, I love the, the the thought from what you just said there that that you can almost deliberately get lost, and yet the land is replete with signs that that are going to help you get back. You know, it, it's it's um yeah, and the, the getting the getting lost thing is um uh, it gets a tiny bit hijacked by some of the more, more creative end of the, the writing sort of spectrum as a sort of um you know, but but the actual you know where, where the bridge still exists between the practical and the philosophical is a fascinating place because I, you know, there's there's a there's a joke I a navigators you know poor joke I trot out too regularly which is you know navigators don't get lost they become temporarily uncertain of their position which is is a <laughs> which is 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 many a true word spoken and just the, the 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 truth which I love within it is that you can never be totally lost if at some point in the past you had some idea where you are and and people will say beautiful yeah. 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 If if somebody says, yeah, yeah. But what if, you know, you're walking, walking down a London street and somebody comes and puts a hood over your head and sits you in the back of a van and drives you off? I, I go, well, how long were you driving for? Two hours. OK, so you're you're within 150 miles of where you were, where you're abducted. And then yeah. basically you then start adding layers onto it. Um, and I, I had a really fun moment, actually, where um, by chance, um, one of my one of my friends down in this part of the world, West Sussex, is is one of the two. Um, main Bond screenwriters. So I get these funny emails from him going, if somebody was abducted, you know, what would be the clues? So we we go for a drink and chat about how 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 uh, someone in one of his one of his films or, or TV things is going to find their way out of it. But actually, the, the 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 sort of philosophical level to it is is good because on the meeting of the practical and the philosophical there is it's up to us how much attention we pay to what's around us. That mm. becomes that becomes our map, and then um, so wow. if I if I if I sort of you know kidnap you like, um, like your missus did and mm. and you know we extended the time a bit so you know we drove sort of twelve hours I I could release you into a part and you the, the thing you, you may know you're in the British you know in Britain still but you're then your sense of map will be kind of like oh, this is interesting we've got a a lot of conifers and oh, I can, uh, I can see some bit of bracken there. Okay. So we're sort of possibly looking a bit acidic here. So these are the other sort of plants I'd expect. Oh yeah, there, if you, and then that your map, you might, you might not be able to look at a map of Britain on the wall and stick a pin to where you are, but you are building up a map of the sort of terrain you're in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking there though, with, with, it just made me think, you, you know, these um, little uh, so-called humane mouse traps that you 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 use to catch the mouse or the vole or whatever it is that's, yeah. that's found its way into your kitchen and they say there's a limit to how far it, well we we made the mistake of just letting them go just around the corner and of course they're back within a few days uh, or in a few hours but yes. they go beyond a certain point of what whatever whatever it is for them there's a there's a um there's a distance beyond which it doesn't work <laughs> They've yes. got some clever trick that enables them to just navigate straight back to your your uh, kitchen. Yeah, um, but and, um, 
Yeah. Sorry. No, no, you were going to say. No, no, it's fine. I just, just, just wanted. Yeah, but that just made me think of that anyway. I, 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 I find that area fascinating as well because um, the, the the research that goes on into that area is like so much. It's like um, you know, the more uh, I, I really don't understand the physics of you know subatomic sort of exploration, but my understanding is, you know, it really feels to me like there's somebody in another room you know, desperately trying not to let us hear their laughter because they've created this riddle where we kind of like, um, uh, what was his name? The one who, um, was it Rutherford who who worked out about the atomic nucleus mm. because certain things bounce back off gold and others, you know, radiation doesn't or something. I'm probably getting some of my facts wrong. But, but you know, at that point, it's considered this massive breakthrough. And yes, a whole load of technological developments come off the back of it. And there's no denying these are these are huge steps in knowledge in that area. But then, then we go down to okay, we've got the pro, the protons and the neutrons, and then it's quarks, leptons, and this, and then they go in and they keep finding them. And then we've got these massive, you know, the CERN sort of accelerators, and they're trying to find these smaller and smaller. I just can't help but feel it's it's a riddle. And animal navigation, I think, is all part of that riddle. Um, mm. You know, I, I don't want to you know um, frame it in conventional religious language because at the end of the day, I don't think that matters how you turn the stuff. But I'm absolutely convinced that some of this stuff is there to kind of, you know, tickle us to the point where we go. Actually, you can research as much as you want, but you're still going to find a bit of a magic riddle at the end of it all because the animal navigation stuff. So it doesn't matter if it's a tiny animal like a snail or 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 a great big whale. The more we look into it, the more we sort of go, yeah, we understand how they do that, and we understand how they do that, and it's all very simple, uh, except we can't really understand how they uh, actually sort of do it all. Yeah. <laughs> so, so to give you an example, when um, I think it's humpback whales, when they they use technologies to try and get this next big leap forward and they find these whales migrate in these fantastically straight lines, which in itself mm. is really weird because, mm. you know, navigating in a straight line for most animals is, a- is actually fairly tricky unless you've got a visual reference or something else. And so the mm. whales, what are they using? Oh, okay, maybe it's the sun. Well, if animals use the sun, you get dependable errors creep in because, you know, the start of the end of the day at certain times of the year, that sort of thing, it becomes harder to use. So you get these you get these sort of telltale kinks in a path. If if they're using the Earth's magnetic field, which is the other popular answer and solves an awful lot of other mysteries, you get even more dependable kind of kinks because the Earth's right. magnetic field is not is not uniform. And where you get these sort of tectonic changes, you can see animals that are using magnetism as, the, as their compass will will deviate. And none of these are true. They're not so, happening. You know, they, they keep going, well, yes, um, you know, I can sort of hear this sort of sort of stern authoritarian voice again. Well, the whales are doing that. And you go, but how, how do they go in a straight line? Well, they don't know. They just don't know. And it's the same. They can't even explain how a snail does an awful lot of things. And, you know, rodents the same. The whole thing that sort of stuff is that, you know, they're down to looking at sort of, you know, individual cells pretty much in in, in rodents' brains. But underneath it all is, is still a fantastic mystery. I love it. I love it. There's there's one like that in the plant world, actually. We we watched this talk at um, a symposium a few years ago, and the guy showed this video of a of a bean plant finding something to hold on to because they like to climb up stuff, right? So yeah. you, you watch this plant, time-lapse photography, growing up, and they're moving towards this thing. And um, he, he said, well, we first thought it was because of this and because of that. Um, 
and all these different theories were, were discounted, just like your example with the magnetism and the sun there. And so at the end of his talk, because he hadn't quite brought this point right the way home, somebody asked the question is saying, what lines of inquiry are you currently pursuing now to explain that behavior? He said, we've run out of theories. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'll have to, uh, after, after we finish the, uh, th this, this chat, I'll, I'll have to get some details off you because that there is a, there is a, a strong overlap with natural navigation there because the, um, the, the, the climbers um, are quite often negatively phototropic in the early part of their life to, to, to get hold of something. So, yeah, ivy being being the one I, I, I use for navigation the most, it grows away from the light. So yeah. normally towards the north when it's young and then towards the south when it's mature and it's got the single point leaves. But all 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 climbers have to have some method of, of finding it. And if light, basically, if the, if anything has a relationship with light, there's a there's a navigation angle there. So so in the case of climbers, they tend to be quite quite sort of fun and occasionally more more sort of in, intriguing than um, most most parts being you know light loving, positively phototropic. It's it's a fairly straightforward thing. But the climbers tend to tend to sort of mess with those rules a bit, which makes them fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, it's, it was it was the mad symposium in Denmark, and it was something about plant consciousness or something like that. Um, but I'll find the link, and we we can we can also put it at the bottom of this nice. uh, podcast notes. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take away this this philosophical idea, which you've really nicely developed there. That like if you know if we knew where we, I forget, I was trying to write it down, but yeah, you 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 can't be lost if you if you yeah. at some point before where you were yeah because i'm you know i'm completely preoccupied with this idea that we are hopelessly lost as a as a species and a, and a civilization but 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 actually not according to that idea we are not hopelessly lost we're just badly off track uh and we've badly lost our what did you say what's the joke that we've lost our temporarily <laughs> we, what, we, what have we, we temporarily done te we've become temporarily uncertain of our position We've become temporarily uncertain of our position, yeah. But but like here here are all these extraordinarily uh, diverse and multitudinous kind of pointers back home. I think it's a great metaphor for for um, not being completely stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can great. just just still see uh, where we where we came from. Um, and uh yeah we can uh we can we can peek back towards it and take a few steps back towards it if uh if we choose to yeah and and like well as we said and as we said right in the beginning we we, we in our heads might be a bit puzzled but but you know these these amazing complex bodies of ours could get right back in the thick of it and and get working with the with the um organic system that is the earth and that we're still here and yeah there's got to be some good news there tristan great it's, chat it's been you, great um and and we'll we'll put links to your website and stuff at the bottom of the uh podcast and um thanks yeah there's loads of fun stuff to explore there if uh, if people people want to um um but uh if they don't then they can uh, they can just have a have a have a look out and ask themselves which way am i looking um, yeah I'll, I'll leave you with that <laughs>